imagine with me that you're a 13-year-old boy and your entire life has been lived in a tribe where the men of the tribe live in one area of huts and the women of the tribe live in another area of huts. And as a 13-year-old boy, you have been raised by the women of the tribe in the women's huts. All of your provisions, all of your nurturing, everything you've been taught thus far in your life, up to 13, is from the women of the tribe. And at night, while you are sleeping in the same hut that you have been in for 13 years, in the comfort of that place, you are kidnapped in the middle of the night by the men of the tribe. And you are taken out into the African bush and left for six months to become a man. That's actually a true story that is based on the work of Victor Turner. Victor Turner was an anthropologist who studied the tribes of Dembu, Africa in Zambia. And he discovered that this rite of passage process for boys becoming men was exactly that. Taken into the bush, left for six months. And once a month, the elders of the tribe would go out where they had dropped the boys off and they would meet them, they would gather with them and they would talk about what they were learning, what they were discovering. They would mentor them into being men. And at the end of the six months, they would come back together to join the tribe as men. Can you imagine that process? Turner actually uh, borrowed a Latin word called limen. The word means threshold. And he talked about liminality. Some of you may have heard that phrase before. Or liminal space. Liminal space, uh, Victor Turner said, is that time, that period, where things are not what they used to be and things are not yet what they will be. You're in between. You're standing in between. Right now, you're neither here nor there. You're in between. Learning about Victor Turner's work actually gave me an image. It's an image that isn't hardly even associated with this concept of liminality because this image is just so basic and it's so modern. It's so part of our world. If you bring up these pictures, there's a couple of examples of transition strips. So you know, from, you know transition strips? Transition strips are those little pieces of metal or wood that you put when you're transitioning from one surface to another surface. If you're going from carpet onto wood and you don't want people to trip on the little part where they come together, you put a transition strip. A transition strip, if it's done well, is something we don't even pay much attention to. We don't even hardly notice it. The whole point of transition strips is just to transition from one surface to another without even knowing it was there. But if you take the transition strip away, you might actually know it's there. Because you don't just transition to the next surface, you fall flat on your face on the next surface as you trip. So I was thinking about this idea of transition strips. And the purpose of transition strips is just to get you from one place to the next. It's not really to pay attention to them. If you're remodeling a house, you probably pay attention to them. But if you're not remodeling a house, they're just pieces that are sort of invisible. But imagine with me, if you will, imagine if life was actually stopped on a transition strip. Instead of just getting from one place to the other just like that, just what if you actually just stepped onto the strip and stayed there for a while? 
What if you had life on the transition strip for a period of time? What if the flooring under your feet now is not the same surface where you were and not the same surface where you will be, but it's the in-between? What then? What would you do then? Reminded me of some transition strip times in my own life recently, and in 2009, I stepped away from the church that I had planted and pastored on the north end of Columbus for over 19 years, and my life entered the transition strip season. In 2014, my wife and I packed up and moved down to the southeast where it's much warmer today and there's no snow and there's only sunshine and glorious weather. But we had lived in the same house in Westerville for a long, long time, and we had lived in this city for 26 years. And I'll tell you, here's the truth. I personally, in both of those experiences, I personally was unprepared for life on the transition strip. I underestimated what that amount of change would do for me. And the truth is, for much longer than I like to admit, I was incredibly unsettled. I felt displaced. I felt sort of lost. The people that I had had around my life, that had supported my life for so long, were no longer there. I didn't really know people. I didn't know what my life was. And the truth was, I wasn't quite sure who I was. I didn't like the transition strip very much. You know, many people in our society today believe we are actually in a sort of liminal space following this most recent election. Now, I'm not going to go into any of that, but I think we would all agree that the future is unknown, but it sure isn't going to be like the past. And we are somewhere in between. We are in liminal space where it's unknown. The surface on which we now stand as a country is different and not yet, and we're not sure. You know, maybe there are people in the room today, matter of fact, I would bet there are, who are in liminal space in your own life. Maybe for you, there's a personal thing going on in your life, and you have this sense that there's a change happening, there's a transition happening. Maybe it's relational or personal in some kind of way. Maybe it's, maybe it's family. Maybe it's employment. Maybe it's a, a physical condition or a doctor's report. Maybe it's, maybe it's even in your spiritual life. You have this sense that the, that the way things have been is just not the way they are. And maybe the way they are isn't the way they will be, but you're just in between. Things have shifted, maybe in small or large ways. And the ground you used to stand on isn't the ground you will stand on, but you're still trying to find ground to stand. Now, if you're here today and you are in that place in any way, I hope what we talk about this morning has some relevance to you and is helpful to you. But I specifically this morning want to talk about Life Community Church because Life Community Church, you're on the transition strip. You're in liminal space. 
one of my very, very best friends on planet Earth who has led this church faithfully for coming up on 20 years is no longer here. You may not have asked for it. You may or may not like it. But liminality is now your reality. What was is gone. And what will be hasn't fully been realized yet. Oh, there are plans, there are strategies, there are ideas, there are decisions, there are investments. But somehow we're still in between right now. I want to just remind you of several things today. This is not a permanent state, this liminality. It's a season. It's not the new normal. But I think it's important, and I think it's critical that we give it some thought. You know, the Christmas season, as you guys have just decorated so beautifully in here, the Christmas season is actually a type of liminal space. We actually have used the word since the very, very early days of the Christian faith for this season called Advent. Advent is the season of anticipation for the coming of the Christ. It's a season of waiting and anticipating and longing and hoping that the Prince of Peace will come. And the reason we're hoping he will come is because there is not peace where we are right now. We need the Prince of Peace. So the place where we stand now is the anticipation space, the longing space. Christmas, as we lead up to the day, is really a season of not yet. And in the not yet, in this current space, the most common words in Scripture associated with the not yet are probably these two small words, fear not. Fear not. I mean, the angel spoke fear not to Zechariah at the beginning of the story. And the angel spoke fear not to Mary. And the angel spoke fear not to Joseph. And the angels finally spoke fear not to the shepherds who were gathered on that hillside near Bethlehem. The angels constantly kept saying to human beings who were waiting, who were anticipating, who were hoping, who were longing, fear not. Not fear not once you get there. Fear not right now. Because in liminal space, fear is an ever-present reality. The truth is, in my own liminal spaces, in these transitions, even though to many these wouldn't seem all that life-altering, I have had fear and anxiety and worry in the uncertainty. Author Ralph Wilson said it really perfectly when he said these words. He says, fear has a way of tying our stomachs up in knots, paralyzing our thinking, inducing panic. Fear and its cousin, worry, can capture our hearts when we see ourselves caught in a vortex beyond our control. You know, maybe the angels, when they proclaimed fear not, were actually drawing on the words from Isaiah chapter 43. And if you have a Bible or an app on your phone, you might want to turn there. We're going to spend a little time in Isaiah 43 this morning. But in Isaiah 43, verse 1, I'll have this one up on the screen. When they, they, the, the, maybe the angels were drawing on this. When, when they said, fear not, here's the words Isaiah spoke. Isaiah spoke these words to people who were God's people in exile, in transition. They had been brought out. They had had a land, but now they don't. Now they're in transition. These are very, this is a very liminal chapter. 
in Isaiah. Isaiah 43 and verse 1 says, But now this is what the Lord says. Isaiah, speaking to God's people, says, This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. You know, liminal times are hard. Liminal space is full of fear and uncertainty and worry and anxiety. And I just want to give you some thoughts about this transition time you're in right now. These are really my tendencies, to be honest. These are the kinds of things that for me personally, I am just sort of, I just sort of default into these spaces. I just sort of just naturally drift there. I don't have to work to be like this. I can just breathe air and this happens. My personal tendencies, maybe this would be true for some of you, and maybe church this might be true if we're not careful in this space, is that when we're in this transition, when, when life is on the transition strip, when liminality is our reality, our tendencies might be towards isolation. Isolation is just that, you know, I'm just going to hunker down, kind of pull things in. I'm just going to grab control of the reins. I'm just going to get control of my life. I'm going to shrink my life down to what's controllable. I'm going to, to, to focus on me. And while there might be some helpful things about that, what actually ends up happening for me is I become, I become a very divisive and distanced kind of person. It's also super easy for me to become nostalgic. I'm 53 years old, and man, nostalgia just all over my life right now. Just all over my life. And there's nothing really wrong with nostalgia. Nostalgia's not bad. We sang about it earlier, remember. Remember. And there's actually a very good part of remembering. There's that gratitude that wells up. There's that strength we can draw from past experiences. But there's also, if we're not careful, and my tendency with nostalgia is for it to create a dissatisfaction with now. Oh, can we, could, could we just shrink our boys back down to like eight? We've been, we've been at our house in Westerville. We're going to try to sell it here before too long. And all day, this, uh, all day yesterday, my wife was going through the basement, through boxes. We're trying to figure out what we're keeping, what we're getting rid of. And I mean, it's just, I had the cutest little guys. Now they're, they're old and married, and, and we can't go back. See, nostalgia for me often leads to dissatisfaction. Another tendency for me is comparison. I don't know if anybody else is like this, but whatever the reality is now on the transition strip, whatever liminality is, is not as good as what used to be. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how when we remember what used to be, we can easily, if we're not careful, my default, I can remember the very, very best parts of it. I mean, the best parts. Forget all the other stuff. I mean, I just remember, oh, that was so good. Oh, that. That was so great, and I look around me right now on the transition strip, and there's nothing that looks that good. And I get discouraged. You know, Victor Turner, when he was studying the Dimbu tribe in Zambia, discovered something else that was very fascinating. He observed that the boys who navigated the liminality of the six months in the African bush 
and then entered back into the tribe as newly affirmed men who had bond that they had bonded not only with each other but with the other men of the tribe in such a powerful way in such a deep rich connected strong dynamic amazing way that he couldn't even come up with a word to describe it he wanted to call it connection but that word just didn't do justice to what he saw he wanted to call it community but even that word didn't do justice in turner's mind so again he borrowed a latin word Turner borrowed the word communitas. And Turner tries to describe communitas as something way beyond just the normal concept of connection or community. Communitas is that idea where you have shared something together and you are now bonded for life. Uh, Probably one of the most relevant examples that most of us would remember would be those who survived as first responders in New York City at 9-11. If you were a first responder at New York City at 9-11 and you survived, can you imagine getting together with the other first responders who survived? Like there's a bond that can't be established through just normal life. So to Turner, something more was required to describe this almost supernatural connection that could only come through passing through the same experience of liminality with those around you. And he called it communitas, and he said it was the most powerful thing imaginable. Imaginable. Friends, the time, this time of transition for Life Community Church doesn't have to result in division, distance, dissatisfaction. doesn't have to result in discouragement. It can result in greater connection. It could result in a stronger community. It could result in a collective power. It could result in a purpose as a people that is deeper, richer, and more alive than has ever existed in Hilliard, Ohio before. It can result in a God-ordained communitas. So what I want to do is I want to talk through a few verses in Isaiah 43. And I want to just encourage you in your souls. Well, you know, one of the fascinating things about transition times in my life, and I'm sure are true for you as well, is that the best work, if we allow it, the best work is done inside. During that upheaval, during that fear and anxiety and worry-producing stage, if we allow God to do it, He actually can change our character. He can change our hearts. He can change our souls. So I want to talk through some soul-level stuff that I want to ask you to pursue during this transition. And I want to draw these from Isaiah 43, again, which was written to people in a a major state of transition. Let's let's look at verse 2, and I'll just ask you to either listen or follow along if you have it there in front of you, a Bible or an app. This is what Isaiah says after reminding the people to fear not, that they are are the Lord's. It says this, verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers... They will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I'm just terming this in my own language. I think we as people in transition strip time should pursue courageous 
love. You know, the word courage actually comes from the Latin word core, which is actually a word that we translate for our heart. Not our physical beating heart, but like the center of our being. And courage is about your heart. And in God's promises, your heart is about an irrational love that the God who made you offers to you. Could you imagine if this transition time for Life Community Church allowed this church to become a collection of people who had courageous love from God pouring through their hearts? Even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when it's uncertain, Notice if you look back at at verse 2, the word that is repeated several times is the word when, not if, when, when you, he says, and when you, and when you. It's an important word because liminal times, transition times, God's not thrown off by those. Like he's not surprised. Oh my goodness, what happened to that church? Where did that come from? Wow, what are we going to do now? Mm, no idea. That's not what God's thinking. He's not shocked that there's transition strip life. God actually expects it. And he says when. When is a key word, not if. Liminal times for the people of God in Isaiah's day would come, and they'll come for us. But if we keep walking courageously, trusting in the unending love of God to be with us, if we move, then the other key word in this, in, this, in this verse besides when is the word through. When these things happen, I will bring you through, he says. That's a powerful promise. God is saying to you, this is not forever. Transition strip life is not the new normal. God is promising to take them through. Liminal times are for moving through with God. Jump down to verse 5. Again, God speaking to these people in transition, in exile. Do not be afraid, God says to them through the prophet Isaiah, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. This is God saying, I will gather everyone back together. My language for this is that we could in our souls become people of connected unity. Connected unity. You know, God promises that he is with us and God is a relational and connecting, and community God. All that divides us, all that separates us, all that keeps us apart cannot stand up to God's redemptive power. God says He will restore. He will gather back. He will bring together. He will connect us. He will unite us. Could you imagine if this transition strip living for you as a church resulted in a collection of people who were so united in heart because God 
himself did the uniting. Could you imagine? And then he says in verse 7, look at verse 7. He says in verse 7, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And then I want you to jump ahead to verse 18. There's a whole bunch of other really cool instructions there, but I want to jump ahead to 18. Forget the former things, God says. Do not dwell on the past. And when he says that, he's not saying that song we sang was wrong. No, no, no. God's actually described when he's talking about going through the waters. and These are common memories from their history of God's power. God's saying, remember those things. But he's saying, forget those things as being the best things ever. God says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past because verse 19, he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert. I am making streams in the wasteland. God says he is the creator God. And could you imagine if he could put creator hope in us? What's creator hope? Creator hope is hope that is based on the creative power of the God of the universe. When God formed us, from the dust of the ground, he was a creator. And Isaiah is reminding us that God has not run out of creativity. That God didn't create and then sat down and say, good luck. Isaiah is saying to, of God, I am still in the creative game. Creating is what I do. God is promising here that he will create. He will do a new thing, he says. And that language in Isaiah is actually this sort of bring something from nothing. It's this creative power of God. Notice that he promises in verse 19 that there will be a way in the wilderness where one doesn't exist. That's why it's called a wilderness. There is no roadway. There is no highway. There is no path. It's the wilderness. God says there will be a way. How? How, God? Where will the path come from? Because I'm doing a new thing. And notice God says in verse 19, there will be a stream in the wasteland. You know why it's called a wasteland? Because <laughs> there's no stream. There's no water. There's no refreshing. Those of you that know the story back to the Exodus, would remember that God is drawing on what he has done in the past and saying that same God, the same God who created, the same God who made, the same God who made you a new creation in your heart, the same God who is bringing life out of the death of your own life, the same God who has put you together time and time and time again, that same God still has creative power to bring streams in your wasteland now. See, I'm doing a new thing. The Creator God specializes in new things. That's why I say we need souls full of creator hope. Could you imagine if this group of people at Life Community Church passed through this transition strip season of life with this fresh, vibrant, creator 
hope that God is not done with life community yet, that there is a future, there is a hope, there is a day that God has work for this church in this community, that God is doing a new thing. Friends, I believe with all my heart that God is not done with you. God wants the Hilliard community to authentically know and taste his love and grace and hope, and he wants you to be the conduit for that great news and glorious taste of God's goodness to people all around you. Now, here's what's interesting. I believe that the ground you have stood on in the past is not strong enough for the new thing that God wants to do under your feet. So he needs new ground. He needs a new foundation. He needs new strength. He wants to find new ground on which this church can flourish. He has new purposes and new blessing and new fruit. And the question becomes, will you go there? Will you prove faithful? Will you fully trust him? Maybe we could ask just the ultimate question this way. Will you navigate the transition strip with a growing faith? Or will you shrink back in debilitating fear? If you're anything like me, all you got to do is breathe air and you can shrink back into fear. It takes purposeful, focused decision and surrender to have growing faith when you're on the transition strip. Here's what I'd like to ask. I'd like to ask you to consider before you walk out of this place today, committing yourself, if you haven't already, to a new level of prayer for your heart and soul and for the heart and soul of this church. Would you do that? I would actually like a few people to kind of lead the way in that. So I've got some transition strips. And I'm just dreaming that maybe through this time of transition and liminality, that God would do a new love thing in our hearts. That he would create his kind of love in Life Community Church. And that it would be a courageous love, an awesome love. Would you pray that God would create a courageous love in this church? I need somebody over in this part of the church who would say, Phil, I'll take that strip and I'll put it somewhere where I can see it, and when I see it, I will pray for my church that God will make a courageous love. Volunteer, I just need somebody. Thank you. Friends, you've got someone in your church who's praying for your love capacity. And then I imagine... What would it be like if we prayed that God would really bind us together in a communitas kind of unity 
What would it be like for Life Community Church to be so deeply and richly bound together, no matter what the differences are, no matter what the preferences are, that God would bind us together in something greater and richer? I need somebody who would pray in this part of the church for the unity of your church. Thank you. And then what would it be like if the creator God who made everything that exists, including you, truly is ready to create again a new thing and bring new hope and life community would become a place flourishing with creativity and vibrancy and freshness and newness? Could you imagine? Would we, would we pray for that? Would somebody on this part of the church pray? For the creator hope 